Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity Internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity, the future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com. It is eight after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. How are you? Did you have a great 4th of July? We shot a lot of fireworks in our cul-de-sac. Oh, my goodness gracious. We were one of those families. We did stop by 1030 p.m., though. I will have you know. Uh, Eric Swalwell has dropped out. Eric Swalwell, his whole campaign was on gun violence. He's the 30-something a uh, member of Congress from California that you've never heard of, who you didn't know was running for president, and yet he was. He is dropping out of the presidential race. Most people were shocked to learn he was in the presidential race. A- at this point, uh, you and I are f- the very few of the people who aren't running for president of the United States. Uh, Tom Steyer is also going to run for president of the United States. Now, who is Tom Steyer? You've probably seen Tom Steyer because he's been running advertisements, even on Fox News here in Atlanta, uh, on uh, impeaching the president, wanting the president impeached. Now, you're asking, uh, why is he running ads on Fox? So here's the way it works. Um, Cable companies have inserts during national advertising on even Fox, ESPN, you name it. And so you can book an ad through an ad vendor to run on the local cable channel. This is how um, this is how candidates for office do it. If you want to target the Atlanta market, you use an ad vendor. Typically, it's your consultant. They get a commission, typically 10 to 15 percent. Always go with a political consultant who doesn't get commissions for TV ads. You save yourself money. They don't want me to tell you this, but do that. If you're running for office, make sure your campaign consultant, if you're paying them monthly, that they're also not making a commission on placing your ads for you because then they're double dipping basically. But in any event, so they put ads in the local cable market. So you don't go to Fox News and buy a national ad. You go to a local cable provider and say, I want ads on Fox News during your your part of the, the local advertising. And so Tom Steyer's been doing this around the country, targeting swing districts for impeachment and climate change. Tom Steyer is going to run for president of the United States. He will be the, I think, 233 millionth candidate for the Democratic Party running. Uh, there's just there's a ton of them. He matters more than most, which is why I'm spending way more time on him entering than Eric Swalwell leaving. Eric Swalwell's adult who never mattered. He just wanted the he was a vanity play for him. Tom Steyer could spend a million dollars a week between now and January when the Iowa primary happens without batting an eyelash. I mean, it's chump change for him. He could spend a million dollars a week in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina between now and January, February of next year 
and significantly alter the race. The reason is because he's a billionaire Democratic donor. And this is a big red flag for the Democrats right now. Tom Steyer had been impressed with Elizabeth Warren's campaign. He said he wasn't going to run because he was impressed with Elizabeth Warren. But somehow or another, he's no longer impressed with Elizabeth Warren and has decided to run. Elizabeth Warren, however, has raised 20-some-odd million dollars. She is significant. Now, Pete Buttigieg raised more than her. Uh, turns out uh, rich, white, single, gay people like Pete Buttigieg enough. They, they flooded him with money. He is a thing white people like right now, Pete Buttigieg, and he's raised $24 million. Uh, Kamala Harris hasn't even raised half of that. Elizabeth Warren, though, she's got $20 million in the quarter. Big numbers for Elizabeth Warren. She is rapidly outpacing Bernie Sanders as the progressive of the progressive wing of the party. That Tom Steyer liked her campaign and has now decided he needs to enter this race is a big red flag that he's seen something that other Democratic donors are seeing that they don't like. That's problematic for the Democrats. When your number one donor to your party. And Tom Steyer is the the single large donor. He's basically, if you're familiar with the Republican politics and Sheldon Adelson, Tom Steyer is the Sheldon Adelson of the Democrats. And he's decided to run for president. That means he's not impressed with Joe Biden. He's not impressed with Elizabeth Warren. He's not impressed with Kamala Harris. Now, he hasn't formally announced. And, you know, he could walk back. uh, But aides are saying that he's made up his mind. He did so over the weekend. They leaked it last night to the Atlantic magazine. And it'll be uh, a a big announcement sometime this week. And he's got billions of dollars that he can spend. Now, we need to move this into Georgia because there are also money numbers to talk about in Georgia, including David Perdue. David Perdue has raised a significant chunk of coin in the last three months. Now, why are we talking about fundraising numbers today? I guess I guess I should say Um, the reason is because you have quarters for the Federal Election Commission, January, February, March, April, May, June. The June money raised must be reported by July 15th. Well, most of the donors try to announce it within a week of the first day of the of the new quarter so that they can then use that money to fundraise some more. So they're rushing their numbers out. Pete Buttigieg rushed his numbers out as quickly as he could. He wanted everyone to know he'd raised $24 million. Elizabeth Warren is now rushing her money out because she's gotten wind of the fact that Beto O'Rourke and Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris may not be doing the way she's doing. And she wants to go on and claim the mantle and start the conversation about uh, her money. It's also very, very important to understand that they're doing it when? On a Monday. Why does that matter? These things actually do matter. It is intentional. If nothing else, you, you can you can learn tonight a little bit about how campaigns work. Um, this isn't even partisan stuff. This this is just this matters that they're announcing it on Monday. It, really, they leaked it on a Sunday night. So it matters because Elizabeth Warren announcing this on a Sunday, leaking it into Monday. Kamala Harris announced hers on Wednesday of last week. Hmm, why would you announce it on a Wednesday? Well, let's see. You're going into the 4th of July weekend. You don't want anyone to notice that you got outraised by the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who's never run for high office before. Uh, So she had it buried over the weekend, the 4th of July holiday. Elizabeth Warren leaked hers out on a Sunday night. Why? Because she wants it to be a story Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday 
today. You see, the way the media typically works, you announce something on a Friday, you want it to die. You announce it on a Sunday night into Monday, you want it to be a big story the entire week. It may not get talked about on the Sunday shows, but it's going to be talked about all week. And Elizabeth Warren wants everyone to know that she raised a ton of money. Well, who else raised a ton of money here in Georgia? David Perdue raised a ton of money. David Perdue raised $2 million over a three-month period. He's got cash on hand. Wait, I wrote it down. I actually wrote a note on this stuff. Uh, David Perdue, cash on hand, $4.9 million cash on hand. Now, the Democrats in Georgia have only one person running right now, Teresa Tomlinson. She's the former mayor of Columbus, Muskogee County. And she and the press corps in Georgia all want you to know she used to be a Republican. That means she's safe. She's okay. I mean, this is essentially the underlying message that she's using members of the media to push. And you pay attention to the news coverage in Georgia. And they will frequently refer to her as former Republican, Theresa Tomlinson. The reason they're doing this is it is a well-coordinated effort to make her sound like she's a safe pick for Republicans who don't want to vote for David Perdue because he's too connected to the president. It, it is a perfectly reasonable strategic position. There's just a problem for Theresa Tomlinson. Now, she's raised $520,000, but her campaign and the Democrats are openly saying they need $22 million to beat David Perdue. Now, they've got until next year, so that's okay. Perdue's not going to get a primary challenge, so they they got to worry about it. They need $22 million because they got to get through a primary, and then they got to beat him in the general election. And David Perdue can self-fund some as well. He's a wealthy guy. And Tomlinson's only raised $520,000. Part of that is she loaned herself $30,000, so she's committed. She's in the race. But there is a problem for her as well. Most of you don't know who Teresa Tomlinson is. She's got a break into the Atlanta market. But in breaking into the Atlanta market, using friends in the media saying she used to be a Republican, essentially they're saying she used to be a Republican, but she's good on gays. I mean, that that is essentially her message. She used to be a Republican. She's safe and she's good on gay rights. In other words, she's a business-friendly Democrat. She's liberal on social issues. She's good for businesses. That's the message she wants to send, except there's a problem. The Democratic Party is moving to the left, even here in Georgia, as evidenced by the rise of Stacey Abrams. And Teresa Tomlinson can say as much as she wants she's a gay-supporting candidate— but the used-to-be-a-Republican part still hurts her with the Democratic Party. They want someone who's been a lifelong de- – it's not hard to find a lifelong Democrat in Georgia. My God, most of the Republicans in the state legislature were Democrats until the state flipped on them and they had to change the letter after their name. That's why we still get a bunch of Democratic policies out of members of the legislature because uh, the governor, Governor Kemp, is the first elected Republican of the state of Georgia who was not previously a Democrat. God bless him for it, too. But in the legislature, you got a lot of Republicans who were Democrats until 2006. Tomlinson was a Republican, but the Columbus-Muskogee area, the demographic flipped on her, so she became a Democrat. Well, Democrats in Atlanta are holding that against her, and now there may be other Democrats getting into the race. I heard there's some guy from DeKalb County who may be getting in who's connected to the state party. The uh, Sarah Riggs Miko or whoever who ran for, I think, Secretary of State or Lieutenant Governor, she may be getting in. Tomlinson was trying to build this field as the reasonable, business-friendly, non-scary, non-wackadoo Democrat, and that may be hurting her in a Democratic primary in Georgia against David Perdue. All of this works to David Perdue's advantage. And again, he has raised $2 million, $2 million, people, 
Um, and he's got 4.9 cash on hand, and he's going to have a ton of outside money coming in for him as well. That's not good for the Democrats. They're probably – Georgia is going to be to Democrats like California is to Republicans. They th- And, you know, Texas is like this for Democrats as well. But Georgia technically is even more swingy than, than Texas. you got a bunch of Democrats thinking, we could probably win Georgia this time. Let's pour money into it. They do. They lose, and it costs them other seats. How about I give you the phone number? Because I don't think I did when I started the show. We got so much to talk about tonight. It is 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Operators are standing by. <laughs> I always wanted to say that. Do you know when I was a kid, so rural Louisiana, my, my friend Ryan Ivey, his phone number was the same last four digits as the Sears and Roebuck in the next town over. And Back in the mid-80s, you didn't have to dial the you know, three-digit prefix. And so people all the time, instead of calling um, the Sears and Roebuck store by putting a 683 in front of the number, would call 63 or would call just 5123, and they would get his home phone. And he and I would take orders for Sears and Roebuck. Oh, my gosh. It was the only, his mother. Only time in my life I ever know of someone who was not my parents banking me. <laughs> His mother found out that he and I were taking orders for the Sears store, <laughs> doing our best grown-up voice at like 13 years old. <laughs> oh, did we get in trouble? Wow. We got a lot more to talk about when we come back tonight. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein indictments. Everyone seems really, really, really giddy that politicians on the other side of the aisle are going to get indicted. Because of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, he, by the way, is a, is argument number one for why the death penalty should be expanded beyond murder. I'm actually a big fan of expanding the death penalty beyond murder. It's uh, <laughs> surprising no one. But I mean, seriously, this guy, uh, if the allegations are true, he's been involved in international sex trafficking of minors uh, for very rich people. And Democrats are really giddy. They think the president's going to be indicted. Uh, Republicans are really giddy. They think Bill Clinton's going to be indicted. Here's a hint. Probably neither of them are, but some really powerful people on both sides of the aisle might just be. I'll tell you what I know when we come back. I have a new term. I have a new term that we all have to learn. So, you know, Nutroots Nation, they had their event in Atlanta last year. That's the big online um, uh, progressive conference. Oh, my goodness gracious. Bless their hearts that they, they, they really take take this whole tolerance, diversity, inclusion thing seriously. And they've got a, an inclusion and etiquette page. I, I gotta, I, I need to read some of these yet. Yeah, look, we'll get into Epstein here in a minute. This is just this, this is going to make your day. This is the uh, inclusion and etiquette at Netroots Nation. 
Disability inclusion. Here are some tips on how to be inclusive of the disability community. Handicapped has a negative connotation. Instead, use person with a disability. People with disabilities are not suffering or struggling. They may be managing and are celebrating their symptoms of diagnosis. Suffering is optional and subjective. Terms like physically challenged and differently abled can be patronizing. If appropriate, note that a person has a physical, sensory, or mental impairment and leave it at that. Use person-first labels to ensure that people are not labeled with their disability. Person with a disability instead of disabled person or person who uses a wheelchair instead of wheelchair-bound. Remember, people without disabilities are not normal. This implies that people with disabilities are abnormal. When introduced to a person with a disability, it is polite to shake hands. Most people with limited use of their hands or artificial limbs can shake hands. If you are not sure, let the other person make the first move or ask. Do not be embarrassed to offer help to someone with a disability, but wait until the offer is accepted and instructions are given before proceeding. Be gracious if you offer to us. To assist is declined. To get a deaf person's attention, touch the person lightly. Wave your hand. Use some other physical sign. If an interpreter is being used, speak directly to the deaf person. Now, here's where it gets really funny. We're about to learn a new term, folks. Racism, anti-blackness, and indigenous erasure exist so commonly in our lives that even the most politically conscious individuals can perpetrate harm. Here are some tips on how to be an ally. I, I'm sorry, uh, a buddy of mine just texted me and said I need to read this in my feminist voice. If I'm if I'm going to go through this, I need to read this in my feminist voice. I'm sorry, <clears throat> Eric Erickson, feminist voice deployed. Racism, anti-blackness, and indigenous erasure exist so commonly in our lives that even the most politically conscious individuals can perpetrate harm. Here are some tips on how to be an ally. Assume BIPOC. BIPOC, people. Oh, but it gets better. Assume BIPOC. Black, indigenous, and people of color. Also known as sun-kissed people are not available to teach you about their culture, struggles, and experiences without payment. Another... <laughs> this straight face. So BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, slash Sunkist. Sunkist. They haven't been drinking the soft drink, no. They've been literally kissed by the sun. This is the new term you have to learn. And note that they're not able to teach you about their cultures unless you pay them. And then there's this. Remember, everything we're doing is on stolen land. And these imposed borders hold thousands of distinct indigenous nations. The indigenous peoples whose land we occupy are still here. They and their culture are not props, mascots, or novelties. All people who are not white do not have the same experiences, struggles, and histories. Do not lump BIPOC sun-kissed people into groupings. And do not use the positions of one group to challenge the position of another. Y'all, I ain't making this up. Notice, notice though, no, notice that all people who are not white do not have the same experiences, struggles, and histories. The presumption is that all people who are white do have the same experiences, struggles, and histories. <laughs> How much time went into writing this thing? It goes on and on and on. 
Don't assume the culture of other groups by speaking like them or engaging in behavior that's not natural to you. <laughs> Who would do that? While efforts to overcome the challenges of oppression across communities are real, it's important to understand that all communities can perpetuate anti-blackness, including non-black people of color and sun-kissed people, except exclusion as people from BIPOC sun-kissed communities have been and continue to be disempowered in our systems, they can experience harm in white-centered environments and may need to be away from those who have been closer to power. Oh, my God. Oh, and then they have a whole transgender, gender, non-binary inclusion and a bi-pan-fluid queer inclusion uh, and a few, glossary of a few, a few significant terms. Sun-kissed. A way to reference BIPOC people that does not center whiteness or colonization. Someone took the time to put this together, and it's a real human being who did it. Not an insane computer algorithm run amok. If you're just tuning in, I just read from you from the inclusion and diversity statement from Netroots Nation, the progressive conference that's coming up, in case you're wondering. Oh, my goodness. Learning new terms, sun-kissed. That is, a person who's not white, but without taking the names used by the colonists to describe them. Holy moly. Okay. Now, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein is the billionaire hedge fund manager who is friends with all sorts of people. He's friends with Donald Trump. He's friends with Bill Clinton. He's friends with Prince Andrew of the UK. Uh, he's friends with other millionaires and billionaires. I, I tell you, you, you know, let me just let, let me sum up Jeffrey Epstein this way. Um, Jeffrey Epstein is a super rich, godless person who has used his money to protect himself for years and the chickens are coming home to roost. Man, it, it just reminds me, you read the story about Jeffrey Epstein and, you know, Psalm 73 is my favorite psalm and it just, it, it's it's Asaph is writing about the, the rich who mock God, uh, the prosperity of the wicked he, he writes about. It. This is how he describes the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Their callous hearts, from their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink of waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? That is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. And on and on it goes. And then he realizes that, of course, that this is the best they'll ever have it, that they're destined for an eternity of suffering and misery. So this, if anything, is a small grace from God uh, that, that they're able to thrive in this world because they surely won't in the next. And, and that's Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein has, has for years surrounded himself with the powerful by using his money. He's provided people, according to the allegations, uh, underage girls to have their way with do sexually abuse and, and traffic in. And uh, the federal prosecutors, uh, James Comey's daughter is going to be the federal prosecutor prosecuting him. And he will probably, through the files, through the seizures, it looks like he kept pictures and documents, there will probably be a lot of people exposed. And, and what I find so atrocious at this point of the politics is everything, period, 
in our American psyche right now is that Democrats are cheering on the fact that Republicans may be indicted. Republicans are cheering on the fact that Democrats may be indicted. We should be cheering on the fact that anyone who did anything with Jeffrey Epstein is indicted, but we should also mourn that we live in a world where people like this are propped up and can use their power and influence to gain protection. It's very clear he used his money to be able to negotiate his way out of certain prosecutions or to get better deals from prosecutors, one of whom is is Secretary Acosta in, in the Trump administration, appears to be one of the prosecutors who cut him a deal. Now, people close to Acosta say the reason he did it is because they didn't have sufficient evidence, he didn't think, to be able to prosecute the crimes at the time that people claimed could be prosecuted. So they were able to cut a deal or had to cut a deal. But this guy hopefully will take a lot of other people down with him. You can expect the media, though, to sensationalize ties to President Trump because Epstein and Trump had a connection. There were friends. Trump at one point commented that Epstein liked young girls and knew that was going to get him in trouble one day. Epstein also had close friendship with Bill Clinton. Democrats are happy to throw him under the bus these days. Uh, They'll make it more salacious because of the Trump connection. What you're probably not going to see is Donald Trump get indicted for any of this stuff, although the media, much like with the Russians stole the election to help Trump stuff, they'll do their best to make it sound like he's going to be. That's just not going to happen, though. But this guy himself should be buried under a jail. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Um, let's see. I want to go to the phones. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Linda in Lawrenceville, you're going to be first. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. I just wanted to let you know you were talking about person-first language. Um, I work at the CDC, and we've already had classes on that. Linda, do you know a, a friend of mine who is a member of Congress told me the other day that he had to sit through a seminar on this? And he, yes, he, I believe it. He said it was just a one. It, it's he didn't want to challenge it. They they can't actually make a congressman do it, but but they were all told they had to. He said there was just a bunch of gobbledygook on on words that none of them, even the Democrats, had ever heard of, and and how to interact with people. That it was just it became farcical by the time it was over. They were all joking about it. Well, people at CDC who write papers, if they don't use that language, their papers will not be cleared and published. Good grief. Well, and you know, I, I gotta say, and, and thank you very much for the phone call. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry you have to deal with it, and, and being in the government, I bet it's, it's just the worst. But yeah, I, I have to say, I, I think it is relevant that when the government and, and, and left-wing groups force everyone to do this stuff, it becomes an object of ridicule. And as being an object of ridicule, it, it makes it less serious, and you wind up undermining the very things you want to help. Um, it, and that's what's going to happen in this case. Um, oh, well, a sun-kissed people, my foot. What a silly thing. Okay, when we come back, we got to move on to other stuff, including the Women's World Cup and the outrage over the 4th of July celebrations. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 
Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to... Well, I, I, I may offend some of you. We need to talk about American soccer. I watched yesterday's soccer game. Believe it or not, I did. In fact, I, I had somebody on 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 Instagram. In fact, I'm going to the, this person is owed a a shout out. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. You know at ew Erickson. Uh, who was it here? Uh, it is Cash on Instagram. Right? So, are you actually going to talk less crap about soccer now? Maybe. I I watched the soccer game. It was it was a little bit sad that we came in second to Mexico, but it was it was a good game. It was well played. No, no, I did not waste my time watching the women's game. Who would waste their time watching women's soccer? It's garbage. <laughs> Listen, okay, can, can I just can, can I can I talk about women's soccer? The lest you forget, the the United States women's team was beaten by the under fifty club in Dallas, Texas two years ago. That's right. Under 15-year-old boys beat the American women's team. I mean, the, the fact that the Americans' women team wins the World Cup so many times, the four of the last eight times, is just a, a sign of how bad women's soccer is in the rest of the world. And they can't do it without whining and complaining incessantly. It's like the WNBA, but worse. I mean, they, they, they complain about their pay. By the way, did you know that men's soccer generates almost $2 billion with a B dollars in revenue and the women's soccer maybe $100 million? Of course they get paid less than the men. You know, they now want to sue or they are suing demanding equal pay and some of them saying oh we win more than the men so we should because your games are pathetic i and listen i'm really not trying to offend but women's soccer is like high school boy soccer it's at a completely it's a different sport than the men's soccer you want to watch a competitive rugged game on the field you should have watched the men's game by the way the women are complaining about that as well the women's soccer team they're com- they've complained about Trump remember they they booted the one girl off the team because she wouldn't wear the pride jersey cuz she's a christian so they they didn't want to play with her anymore cuz they were so tolerant they had to be intolerant of her cuz she's a christian they've complained about Trump they've they've turned they cannot do a soccer game without a political diatribe i just want to watch soccer i don't even really want to watch soccer but I watched it with some friends, and I, now I'm kind of liking it because my kid likes it. So I've gotten into it because he has. But, I mean, my goodness, can you not play a game without complaining? They won in their complaining. I don't need the social commentary. I don't even want I, – I don't want to – yay, America. Yay, woohoo! we won the World Cup. But it was the women's – I'll get excited about the World Cup in 2022 when real soccer is played. I just it's just it's so aggravating that you got to sit through political diatribes and complaints about equality and and fair pay. And and they can't even admit that men's soccer makes more money than women's soccer. Therefore, the men are paid more than the women. That's just the way it works. And if you don't like it, go do something else. But stop with all the social namby-pamby social commentary yelling about the president and conservatives and how tolerant you are and intolerant of people who disagree with you. It just, it drives me crazy. Under 15-year-old boys beat you people. So, 
I mean, the fact that they won actually speaks volumes about how bad the rest of the world's women's soccer is. And listen, I'm sorry. If, if you got a daughter who plays soccer, good for you. Get them out there on the field and enjoy. But but let's not say that women's soccer and men's soccer are the same thing. They're not. It's like women's tennis and men's tennis. Remember when, when it Venus Serena Williams, the, the, they used to think that, and then they got beat by some guy who wasn't even in the top 250? Of the men, and he'd basically been drinking all morning, and still, and now they're like, you know, we play different sports. Women's tennis is not women's tennis is actually awesome to watch. Unlike women's soccer, I'm just I'm I'm not into it. And all of this this flag waving, yay yay America, yes, wave the flag America, yes, God bless them for winning the World Cup. But all the social commentary that had to come with it, and the complaining and the whining the entire time. It's just not worth it. Um, it's just pl- just play the freaking game. Stop all your complaining now. All righty, let's go to the phones. I want to go to Dave, waiting patiently in East Cobb. Dave, wake, welcome. Hey, Eric, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm great. Uh, but I've got a comment since you're talking about soccer, and then I have a question all for right, you. Go for it. I would like to see a soccer game played with a bowling ball. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch, can you ouch. imagine? Can you imagine a headshot with a bowling ball? Oof. Oh, that that ew, that that would be a cranial catastrophe. All right. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. Anyway, my question is on this Epstein thing: Is there a, a statute of limitations on any of these charges? Not and if there is, on these. Will that will that eliminate some of these sleaze balls that hung out with him in the in the nineties? Uh, no, so so these are new cases, is my understanding. Now, so let's back up. Uh, there were some original indictments, and those indictments got buried under. Uh, and the U.S. attorney at the time, who's now, I think, the Secretary of Labor, Secretary Costa, uh, has said, and others close to him have said, that the evidence that people are claiming was there really wasn't there at the time. So they were able to cut a deal at the time. Now, of course, there are allegations that Epstein used his influence to get a better deal than he could have, and he had high-powered lawyers. But the new charges relate differently. Uh, they relate to other people who were not previously part of the indictment. And the statute of limitations is – or the, these acts are so recent that the statute of limitations doesn't apply. So the dude's probably going to need to cut a deal. According to the FBI, they found uh, some pretty graphic photos in his apartment. So even if they didn't get him on the sex trafficking, considering the girls were underage, uh, they got him on other crimes now they can pile on. It's, yeah, but I'm I'm concerned about whether the, the other slime balls that were right. taking well, okay. advantage of these girls, so get away with something in the prior stuff um if epstein comes back through and wants to offer up names and cut a deal then maybe not uh they may not get away with it in the new stuff we're gonna have to see where this paper trail leaves you can be sure that the media is going to keep on it because they're convinced they're convinced just like they're convinced about the russia stuff they're convinced uh, that the president is going down on this hey can i just can i just say by the way uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. I, I do want to spend time on Justin Amish uh, and his his changing of uh, political parties, becoming an independent. But the media hysterics over the president's Fourth of July celebration. You actually had people on various news outlets, including CNN and MSNBC, claiming that the tanks in Washington for this Fourth of July celebration were a sign that fascism was coming. Now, I did not go to Washington to the celebration, but I know a lot of people who are up there. And I know a lot of people who are there who don't even like the president. 
and they thought it was awesome. Air Force One leading a flyover, all of that, they thought it was awesome. They thought the fireworks display was fantastic. They thought it was very well orchestrated. And by the way, the president's popularity, according to ABC News, the highest it has been in his administration. And the way they are reporting it is highly revealing. And I want to talk about that when we come back. Hello there. It is 25 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. So before I get any more phone calls, you can call in. Just be patient with me, though. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Let me talk about the president's poll numbers real quick, Um, because you would think that ABC and The Washington Post would be playing up their big new poll and they're not. And I, you will not be surprised to learn that it's good news for the president. Let, let me explain to you how they're reporting it. If you if you listen to the ABC News Washington Post poll, 44% of curious language here, voting age Americans approve of the president's performance. And that's a high, except, well, that's voting age Americans. In other words, it's not all voters. So what about registered voters? Well, of registered voters, so it's higher than than all Americans. Essentially, all Americans over the age of 18 have an opinion of the president, 44% popular. If you look at the people who are actually registered to vote, it's 47%. That's actually really good. Now, if you're a longtime listener of this program, you know the way it works. Uh, the, the, The wider the pool of voters the worse it is always for Republicans. So uh, a pool of all Americans is not good. A pool of voting age Americans is only slightly better, still not great. A pool of registered voters is an improvement. As I sneeze, I did turn the microphone off so you people wouldn't be stuck with me sneezing into the microphone. And then after registered voters, you get to likely voters, and likely voters is the best pool for Republicans. And it's always so. So look at the stack for voting age Americans, it's 44. 45 for 6, 47 percent for registered voters. You bump that up by another three for likely voters, 48, 49, 50. What do you get? 50 percent of likely voters. And by the way, that, that's not me saying this. This is actually well known and well established that likely voter poll improves the odds for Republicans every step of the way. You go from the largest pool of people to the smallest pool. It typically gets you a better accurate snapshot of people who participate in politics. So essentially, the president's at 50 percent popularity among likely voters. 47 percent among registered voters. That's really good for him. And it's very interesting to me that the media today, ABC, Washington Post, it's their poll, and they've largely moved on to other stories. They put it out there so they can say they're not covering it up. They can say, look, look, we put it out there. You wouldn't know about it if we hadn't reported on it. Yes, it's true. But if this was the president at a 35% or even a 40% where he had roughly been, they would be trumpeting this. Look at the fact that they're playing up the 44% number of all Americans voting age population as if that's the big thing. That's not it at all. The president is polling at roughly 50% among likely voters right now, uh, more than a year out. Good for him. Good for him. When we come back, your phone calls and Justin Amash 
Breaking away from the GOP, declaring his independence, there's just a problem for Justin Amash when we come back. Welcome back. So there is a, I'm always on the lookout for incredible butcher shops. I know, I know, sounds very esoteric, but you, you all know my love of cooking and smoking meats and all. I'm always looking for, for a great butcher shop. And uh, I, dr- I have heard rumors for years from people in Atlanta and, and even in middle Georgia of a place down in South Georgia called M&T Meats. It's in Hawkinsville, Georgia, which is uh, you go down south to Perry to the state fairgrounds and then you turn to the east and drive and you run into Hawkinsville in this M&T Meats place. Well, I went uh, from my house, went down 16, took back roads down Highway 23 and crossed this huge field where Georgia Power is putting in massive solar panels. I, I, I just heard the ad during the commercial break about their, their solar future. Uh, my goodness gracious, this place is huge. And I hear they're building even a more massive one uh, near or on the premises of Robbins Air Force Base in Middle Georgia. Really incredible to see. Uh, I have seen little solar fields before. In fact, I, I passed a farm uh, near Thomaston, Georgia. I was out riding the back roads, and there was a field that had solar panels in it that a farmer had installed. But my goodness gracious, this thing is massive, 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 massive. Uh, I, I was impressed to see it. Um, okay, so Eric Swalwell is dropping out. I, I got to... I got to play this audio from him. I want you to listen to this audio from Eric Swalwell when he entered the race for president. Um, so if you run, you are also sitting congressman right now. But if you decide to run for president, cough, cough, um, you uh, <laughs> if you would, are you would you give up your seat in Congress? Yes, you would give it up. Yes. Really? And I think That's, you have to. I, now I, why I, is that? Well, I think you have, if you're you know seeking such a, a big job that would affect so many mm-hmm. people. Uh, I think you have to assure, you know, uh, the people you're asking to vote for you that you're not hedging and that you yeah. don't have, you know, a lifeboat uh, waiting for you. Burn the boats. Burn the boats, as Cortez did. <laughs> you know, they, they stormed the land and he had them burn the ships behind them so that there was no looking back. And I, and I, would, wanna, I would want people to know I'm putting my all into this and I don't have a life insurance policy. So come. That's such a non-politician thing to do. I think I, I, I'm surprised at that, frankly. Well, but I also, I've told our staff as we plan and look at you know how we could do this that the one thing i don't want on an agenda is what happens if i lose like what do i do if i lose because you know the truth is i was the first in my family to go to college that's all my dad wanted me to do like i'm gonna be fine like i'm playing with the house's money as far as like you know making my parents proud so i don't you know we're not trying to sell a book or you know get a leadership position anywhere else like if i'm gonna run it's gonna be because i think we can win and most importantly uh, make a difference the uh, let you okay. That that's all you need to hear. Is it, it, it? Don't you think that one of the reasons we have so much cynicism in American politics today is that the press is going to give him a pass on this? Eric Swalwell, in an interview, said uh, he's burning the lifeboats, he, he's burning the ships, he's running for president. He's not going to fall back on being in Congress. Well, yeah, he is. He is now. He he's going to run for re-election as as a congressman. Should they not in hold him accountable on this? I mean, he he distracted himself from his work as a congressman to run for president, didn't step aside as he said he would. 
And now he's going to go back to it. This is why people get so cynical of politics. It's not just that the politicians get away with this. I mean, he's mocking politicians who do exactly what he's doing. And the press is going to let him get away with it. And I guarantee you they would never let a Republican get away with it. They would answer, demand answers to the questions if a Republican were to do this. But they won't for little Eric Swalwell. By the way, maybe he could have gone further if he spelled Eric the right way. Now, back to the phones we go to Daniel calling from Monroe. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you, man? Great. How are you? Good. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not going to cry any over spilled milk. We have one down in what, 25 to go or 24 to go? Yeah, yeah. I, I think 25,000. <laughs> yeah, your uh, news guy was mocking him, and I thought 19,000, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which is funny. But, um, okay, so you know how a lot of people – Raised a cane when President Trump put on this big, huge right. uh, Fourth of July spectacular. And, okay, well, you know, all this money was spent. And, okay, who's paying for it? The taxpayers? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, guess what? The U.S. women won the soccer team, and they're going to throw them a ticker tape parade. Are they going to raise com- and complain about that? Or, um, hey, I got a good idea. How about Bill de Blasio throw some money out there and pay for it? <laughs> yeah, look, uh, why, why doesn't New York cover some of the costs or why not make the, the soccer association cover? Because, you know, the, the police time and all that stuff, they're not going to cover all of the costs. Of course, they're not going to do that. And by the way, the, there were donations for a lot of the Fourth of July celebrations. My understanding, it was originally reported as being a taxpayer funded event, but I don't actually think yeah, some of it was some of it was. I mean, the military flyovers and stuff, but not all of that was paid for by taxpayers. Uh, Susan in Lithia Springs, you're next. Welcome. Hey there. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I only made it to my side of town. Excellent. <sighs> you were talking about uh, butcher shops a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Have you tried the one in Austell, Patak? No. You should check them out. Uh, okay, so t- tell me the name again. Patak. Patak. starts with a P as in Paul. Okay. And they're in Austin. And it's in Austin, yes, sir. I appreciate you calling in and letting me know. I, I I try to peruse these things. I'll have to go check them out. Yeah, they've got a, a brand new building, and uh, it's it's really awesome. You should just go out there. <laughs> nice. I, I will do it, Susan. Thanks very much for the phone call. I, I will do that. By the way, uh, my random pick to see if a butcher shop is up to snuff. Veal shanks. Do they have veal shanks? Because I like to make asobuco, but you got to have veal shanks, and not every butcher shop has them. Now, when we come back, Justin Amish, he's leaving the GOP. I got some thoughts on this. Hello. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. I got thoughts on Justin Amish. Uh, He is the congressman from Michigan who has declared himself an independent. He had been a member of the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, Now he's a member of the Liberty Caucus. Very few of them. He is libertarian. Uh, Getting beat up by a lot of Republicans who now hate him, and privately they really like him. And that's a shame. Uh, that they cannot say in public what they say in private. Very much like, you know, the congressman who led me around the Safeway grocery store who complained about the president in in really graphic, visceral terms and yet uh, praises the president publicly. uh, Well, I hadn't seen him in a while on TV, but nonetheless um, has done that. I I, got to tell you, I like Justin Amish a lot. 
uh, and he's a man of principle, and he puts his principle over the party, and sometimes that has put him in awkward positions with his party. And he's going to pay a price for doing what he's doing, but he believes in what he's doing. And God bless him. We we actually need more people like Justin Amash than otherwise. We do. And all of you who hate him right now, many of you have liked him for a long time, and that is a problem about you, not him. It speaks volumes as to the character of people who long cheered him on, and now suddenly he's not a Republican, and oh my gosh, they hate his guts and always have. Except they didn't. They liked him. Uh, he's a man of principle. Uh, he does not agree with the president on a lot of things. He is a free trade libertarian, and therein lies the problem. Uh, Justin Amash believes that we need limited government. Uh, he's okay with uh, a relative degree of social liberalism. He's very much an economic conservative, a, a free marketeer, a libertarian, and the nation has no appetite for that. There is an unserved group of people in this country who are socially conservative and economically okay with big government, and they are probably the largest block of people in the country. And they really don't have anyone uh, who is voicing any support for them other than the president. They're okay in that regard, and, and I think Amash is making a bad miscalculation here. Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity. The future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com.